Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. And we are live to tape here on the W2M Network with the kickoff, the 2020 AFC preview edition of the show. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening, everybody. I'm your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as per usual, it's your normal cast of characters. First, the anchorman, a man without a podium tonight, though, Eric Watkins. Stay classy, W2M. This might be the last time you hear me sober for the next six months. The unprofessional Jason Teasley. You're my boy, Lou. I forgot it. It's a good thing you caught it. Thank you. And there is Randy Isbell. Hello, hello. Also joining us for this particular episode, much the same way as he did for our ANFC preview. <laughs> Call back. It's Sean's chin. The owner, well, yeah, given his camera angle, the owner of the W2M Network, Sean Garmer. What's up, everybody? We actually got Sean to show up to two episodes in a row of a podcast. I'm super impressed. Hey, that's his yearly duty. He did it last year twice. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, then he'll disappear for the next six months. Unless Uh, he disappear, I just don't want to take y'all's thunder away. Unless. No, you just don't want the hazing we give the Cowboys. <laughs> More hey, I'm here for a Cowboys segment every week. Let's do it. I think it's adorable that you think you could take our thunder away. That's yeah. that's so cute. Uh, speaking of things that are cute, are we good to go for Mama Watkins for next week, Eric? Yeah, I've let her know, and she's all set up, especially since I've been coercing her into watching movies like The Watchmen. So, yeah. I can just steadily remind her as the week goes on. A reminder that while there is a limited college football schedule this week, we will not be making any college football predictions on this episode as we are going to focus solely on your AFC preview. However, with the awards show, awards predictions and everything, and playoff predictions episode being next week, we are going to have the very first week of Are You Serious next week as well. There's going to be NFL predictions. College predictions, well, well, we'll we'll see. Hey, 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 we already missed some good action for the greatness that was Austin P versus Central Arkansas. So come on hey, now. I watched that game. Is that the one that had like the 75-yard rush on the second play on the first play from scrimmage? I believe so, and that was the one to where that wasn't decided until like the last minute. Yeah, it was a it was a good game. I know there's a couple of uh, FCS schools playing out of conference schedules during the winter, during the fall and winter here before they get into their actual get their conference schedules come spring or January ish. I guess we'll see what happens with the way the NCAA has that scheduled. But all right, so I mentioned the fact that he is a man without a podium tonight. That is because honestly, the only real big news is Daniel Snyder being a pervert. And well, that's not frankly news anymore. It's just he's an even bigger pervert than we realize. Now, granted, with a team like Washington and you actually own a sweep, 
I can get sort of the mentality for offering certain perks, but uh, still, if it's something that even I wouldn't do, it's a bad idea. Let's just say there will be videotape and people will talk. We'll touch on that next week because just when you thought things couldn't get worse in Washington, surprise! Oh, Washington, you are lovely little dumpster fire. This is what you get for leaving RFK. Speaking of dumpster fires, we have a couple of dumpster fires to discuss here on the AFC Preview Edition as well, one of which we'll be getting to shortly is I am looking over this Denver Broncos lineup, and holy shit, is it a lot of nothing. No, I think they got potential, but... Yeah, yeah I would call them a dumpster fire. We'll talk more about the Broncos. I mean, there are obviously bigger dumpster fires in the AFC. One of them is actually on this particular podcast. We'll talk Jets a little bit later on in the show. Hi, Randy. Man, that was that was that was wrong, <laughs> but yeah, it's not bro. accurate. Anywho, actually, if you go by if you go by the uh, the the ten year span, we have another team that is a little bit worse than Jets, I do believe. That's on this podcast. Yeah, they're going to kind of main event this episode because apparently we're all a bunch of gluttons. But we start start in the AFC West, and since we're starting in the AFC West, weirdly we closed with the West in the NFC. The reason we start with the AFC West is because the reigning and defending Super Bowl champions are there. And because he couldn't help himself, I throw it over to the unprofessional to discuss the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, and I selected this team just on behalf of our great friend Robert Taylor, because who better to talk about the Chiefs than me, who constantly gives him hell and bashes his love affair for Patrick Mahomes. But I digress. This offense did nothing but retool since winning the Super Bowl. I mean, they went out and they drafted probably one of the best uh, overall rookies in CEH. Uh, to replace Damon Williams at the backfield. Um, he is a versatile back. He's got good hands. He doesn't have explosive speed, but he's got a quick first step that can uh, get him out to the corners and stuff and create mismatches. Then what did they do? Oh, yeah, they, they extended Mahomes to, I think it was a, a, another 10-year contract that, Pretty much makes him the cornerstone of the franchise for the for his career. I don't see I don't see them uh, going anywhere and doing anything. Also, uh, you know Harry's boy that came over from Buffalo. They even threw some money at uh, Sammy Watkins to restructure deal. Uh, so this this is truly a blitzkrieg offense. The only problem I have with the offensive side is this, and me and Robert actually was talking about this in the W2M sports chat, is there enough balls to go around for Kelsey, for Watkins, for Tyreek Hill, for CEH, for everybody on that offense? Is there enough balls to go around to keep 
the team happy and to keep them productive? My answer is no. Do think as talented as they are on the offensive side, they're going to take a step back this year. Not meaning that they're going to be a dumpster fire or anything, but I think teams will make them rely more uh, on the rookie than they're actually wanting to be. Now, defensively, half of the season, uh, they had solid footing under Spagnola uh, with Clark battling a neck injury. Uh, but they're going to be even stronger. They solidified this defense. This team is actually the probably the best well-rounded team uh, coming out of the West. Uh, you usually hear about the Super Bowl hangover. I don't think you see it from the Chiefs this year. I think that they are the team to beat in the AFC, and I think that they run away with the division. Yeah, I would say that they're definitely the team to beat in the AFC West, at the very least, just because of the fact that, let's be honest here, guys, top to bottom, uh, if you take out Kansas City, this is probably the weakest division in the AFC. Uh, Close to it? The only team that's really going to be yeah. actively, I, I'd say the only team that's really going to be actively bad in the North is going to be Cincinnati. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about the North. But... <laughs> well, let's uh, not get ahead of ourselves. I yeah, know. I think definitely the wet, Harry is completely right. When you're talking, looking at all the other teams, if you take the Chiefs out, this is an absolutely, like, by a basement bottom. To, I mean, you're still having some decent teams in there, but you're talking about as a whole one to four really bad the curiosity this year for me uh, the curiosity for me this year out of the afc west is will there be a single team in the west that beats mahomes in kansas city this year and i'm going to go on the record and say no i think they run the division if anybody lose two i think they lose two division games there's no way they lose two maybe one but no way that i will give Denver a teeny bit of credit and give them the chance for a split. Otherwise, no. Five and one is really the division floor for Kansas City this year. Denver has the advantage of altitude at Mile High or in Vesco Field or whatever the hell they call it nowadays. But other than that, I just I don't see any of the other teams being able to run horses with the Kansas City offense in here. All right. Regardless, I like the I would say that I like the Raiders offense. It's really good. Time stamp this. Ginger Domus making the prediction two division losses for the Chiefs this year. All right. Officially marked on record at current time of recording, 11.33 p.m., 2nd of September 2020, and about 11 minutes, 10 seconds into the episode. And it's Empower Field at Mile High. That's what it is currently called. All right, so let's move on to let's move on to our next team review, which would be, I think that takes us to Eric. Yes. Oh well, Vegas baby. Um, how can I best say this? When you have a head coach that is off to a bit of a dubious and inauspicious start to his second tenure as a team raving about a backup quarterback in Marcus Mariota 
you pretty much know the signs of where the team is heading. Personally, I do think that Derek Carr is a lot more capable than he's been given credit for. But aside from that, you still got a pretty young team, especially when it comes to the receiving core. Now at running back, now that you've got Josh Jacobs as a little bit more seasoned, he could feature a bit more prominently. But between all of the infighting and the sort of in-house chaos, I'm not seeing too much shining from the brand new stadium out in the desert. Can we just point out that the stadium looks like a giant toilet? I didn't want to go there on purpose because it would be way too obvious, but yes. <laughs> yes, it does. Crap just in, with crap the... out, as they say. Just with the way they have it designed with the hotel right there, how did nobody see the flaw in that architectural design? Um, Mark Davis, he's running things. Look at him. And his creepy-looking ass, look at his father, <laughs> genetics, I mean, come on now. Let's think about the brain power you're really dealing with here. Or lack thereof. This is, again, I didn't try to say that directly. Trying to be nice. I really can't do the episodes like this sober. Nope, fuck it. Play into them. They deserve it. I mean, look, the Raiders have always been one of those franchises that's always held that itty-bitty special place in my heart. Even from the stories I get from Mama Watkins about all of the shenanigans that she witnessed during their heyday back in the 70s. But I mean, you've got a stadium that looks like a toilet. You've got a coach that looks like Chucky who's off his rocker. And you're wondering when the hell he's going to go full child's play on people. You've got an owner that looks like, I don't know, the Grim Reaper was born about three months premature. And you expect to have a successful winning football team? No! No! If I'm Derek Carr, I run. Fast. <laughs> I hear there are other franchises hiring. I'm sure he could land somewhere else. I mean, if you're wanting to go to a place that's of a similar climate, that also does not have state tax, that's, oh, a couple time zones away, I mean, there could be something arranged. Well, I'm just going to say that quarterbacks leave your team and then become starters elsewhere. Do you really? I, you know, I really wish I could make counter arguments to points like that but i can't i really can't oh well i saw it's i sorry eric it's okay it was still 10 to 3 so we're all good <sighs> three the amount of victories the jaguars are going to have this season anywho hey that might be good enough for trevor lawrence stay tuned <laughs> you're not wrong all right are we good <laughs> Are we going are we going to Los Angeles or are we going to Denver, Eric? Uh since I just watched the episode of Hard Knocks last night, really powerful with everything going on. Let's head out to LA. Alright, and I have the Chargers who are a team over the last few years are known for 
losing the closest games possible. So they went ahead and made a few big changes. Uh, most notably, obviously, Philip Rivers no longer with the team. He is in Indianapolis. And you have Tyrod Taylor behind center. And I think that's going to be an interesting fit as obviously he plays a much different kind of game than Philip Rivers. I know they drafted Justin Herbert in the first round. I am under the belief that we do not see Justin Herbert this season unless the wheels completely fall off for the Chargers, mostly because, and I said this two weeks ago when we did the NFC, with all the coronavirus stuff and not really having much an off season and all of the training camps and stuff it's really hard for these these rookie players especially quarterbacks to really find their footing so unlike most years unless your name is joe burrow most of these rookie quarterbacks i don't think see the field at least until the last few weeks of the season give them as much time with practice as you can so i think it's tyrod taylor and he has some great weapons around him obviously allen and williams are still around hunter henry's a great tight end I like the additions they did on on the offensive line with Trey Turner and Brian Balaga. I, I think that's definitely going to help Tyrod Taylor. Obviously, the running backs are going to be key. Eckler out of the backfield is a great pass catcher. A nice dump off threat for Taylor, who's going to be able to you know do his mo- mobility. Justin Jackson's great. The rookie Joshua Kelly should be pretty good as well. So I think the offense is going to be pretty solid. And that defense, which was a big bright spot last year. Brings back basically everyone they had last year. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Derwin James, who they were hoping to get back from his fractured foot where he missed 11 games last year, uh, uh, tore his meniscus, and he will miss the entire season. So that's a big addition, basically, that the Chargers could have had that they're not going to have a defense. But I, I, I honestly don't see them going more than 8-8, eight and eight, even though they do have some really good pieces. My issue is... Having a new quarterback in there with not a lot of time in the offseason to really kind of hone things in, I always, I'm, I'm going to downgrade any team that has a big change like that. And the Chargers, I think, if, if the offseason was normal, I would say would be competing for a wild card. Probably not up to the Chiefs level, but could, could give them some, some tough games. But with a rough, uh, um, short shortened offseason I, I think that hurts the Chargers more than anyone else in this division I, I am going to disagree slightly on the Herbert situation because while it naturally would have been great to see him in some preseason games from what I have seen from him through hard docs and how they have been showing with the practice Herbert is showing a couple of those extra flashes now Tyrod Taylor is solid very solid and also has been in practice but I think that they would pull the trigger a little bit quicker for Herbert than a lot of these other rookie quarterbacks in other situations because of what they've already seen in a lot of different scenarios as many as they can thanks to the pandemic. Yeah, I would argue the best word to describe Tyrod Taylor, and this is speaking as somebody who had him as his starting quarterback for four seasons. The best word to describe Tyrod Taylor is competent. Unfortunately, it's not much more than that. Taylor is not going to win games for you, but at the same time, he's not going to lose them either. And we've seen him tie a game, so... 
we've we've seen what we've seen what Taylor's capable of in terms of being able to manage this, manage the system and do what he needs to do in order to advance, such as when Buffalo won on their their streak breaker back in two thousand and and fifteen, or excuse me, two thousand and seventeen. When the uh, when the um, the seventeen year drought ended, so realistically speaking, Taylor's a good game manager, but based on the expectations on Justin Herbert coming out of college, Justin Herbert could be a game breaker, especially with the arm that he displayed at the University of Oregon. I do think though. I do think that Randy's right, though, that um, I do think that Tyrod Taylor will be given the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, with regards to this franchise here, just because the the shortened amount of time and the lack of in-game experience that Justin Herbert's going to have, you're not going to want to throw him to the wolves. Oh, I completely agree with that. Yes, Jason. I'm going to actually go out and make a prediction uh, that – Tyrod Taylor is not starting past week eight, and you're going to see Justin Jackson as your leading running back by the end of the season. I don't, I don't even know who the starter in Los Angeles is at running back. Eckler? Eckler. Oh, Aaron Eckler. Okay. I actually had him on my fantasy team last year, too. He did pretty well for me. Because of the whole Melvin Gordon situation. Speaking of Melvin Gordon. Segway. Off to Mile High, or as Eric said, Empower Field at Mile High Stadium. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. The Denver Broncos are the last team to discuss in this particular division. And, well, it seems like nothing has changed. Unfortunately, that's not necessarily a good thing in Denver. Joe Flacco is out. Drew Locke is now officially the starter. Locke showed flashes of potential last season. However, most of the time that Locke was in the game last season, towards the end of the season, Denver's season had already been solidified as one where they were going to be drafting high. So I would argue that maybe teams underestimated Locke and he was able to perform above expectations. Now he has the actual keys given to him to run the offense here. And while there are weapons for him to work with, I won't say there's nothing for him to work with because there are stuff for him to work with here. Obviously, you have Melvin Gordon Gordon at running back. You have Philip Lindsay, who had a phenomenal year two years ago and had just as good of a year, although a little bit less, uh, a little bit less impressively. Like, it wasn't his out front last year. He took a step back from two years ago, but it was still an impressive year for Lindsey. So that's a solid one-two punch in the backfield. Many are calling the best wide receiver in the draft is in Denver and Jerry Judy. Cortland Sutton's on the other side there. And then, obviously, I'm going to have a little bit of a bias towards their third wide receiver because their third wide receiver is K.J. Hamler, the former Penn State Nittany Lion, who will also be returning kicks for the team this year. K.J. Hamler is a game-breaker. We saw it at Penn State. If it translates to the NFL, Denver has an excellent prospect on their hands. Defensively, it's Vaughn Miller and not a whole lot else, if we're being honest. 
Bradley Chubb at linebacker? Yeah, sure. Okay, maybe. Justin Simmons at safety? Yeah, sure. Okay, maybe. Potential Pro Bowl guys? Maybe, depending on the quality of season Denver has. But realistically speaking, it's Vaughn Miller, and then everybody else is kind of just there. I don't see much for Denver this year. I really don't. I think Locke is at least another year away. I think they need a significant upgrade on offense still. A a game-breaking wide receiver. As good as Cortland Sutton can be at times, we don't know what we're going to get from Jerry Judy. Noah Fant is going to be a good tight end. However, he's still relatively young as well, and it is an inexperienced offensive line as well in Denver. The... The bottom for this division is probably five, six wins, and I think Denver's looking at being right about that area. Sean, your overall thoughts on the AFC West? I don't think that that's necessarily bad for Denver. If you get six wins and Drew Locke improves a lot, just to go off what you're saying there, uh, Harry. But, I mean, I don't know that we really need to talk about the Chiefs that much. You know they're going to be number one. I think I agree with Jason, though. I think this division, at least offensively, can certainly, all of them can put up points uh, if you look at the if the talent on paper, at least. Uh, so I think you're going to see a lot of teams at least be able to compete somewhat with the Chiefs. Does defense eventually let them down? Probably. But I think it's really hard to be, to get, all six division wins in one season. That's not easy to do. Uh, so, yeah, but uh, I think it's definitely, you know, Chiefs. And after that, I'm going to say, you know what? Raiders are going to surprise and be in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, this is, uh, I think Derek Carr needs to put up or shut up in this year. He can't complain anymore. He's got an offensive line that's been there. Uh, I think the defense is somewhat improved. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure going in the first year in Las Vegas of all places, but I think they're going to be a lot better than people think. And yeah, well, I agree with you, Harry. Tyra Taylor's not going to lose you a game, uh, but I think they're they're all about Herbert. Eventually, you're going to see him maybe a little bit later than Jason says, week twelve, but we'll see him because uh, you know what you got in Tyra Taylor. I don't think you need to trot him out there the whole season for that. Unless for some reason they, the, that defense plays ungodly or something, but yeah, I think it's going to be close at those, those three teams after the chiefs is going to be close. It's going to be interesting. This is going to be an interesting division to watch. Official order or finish prediction, Sean chiefs, Raiders, chargers and Broncos. Jason. It's not very often that me and Sean agree on something, but this is one of the rare occasions. And I think the two losses that the Chiefs incur in this season will be to Denver and Oakland. Yes, I'm still calling them Oakland. I mean, in fairness, I still call the Chargers San Diego. So, you know. What are Don't they, Eric? up the song. San Diego Super Chargers. Randy. <laughs> Well, this is getting boring. I agree with both Sean and Jason. Eric? And so I'm going to be the one on the island, huh? Okay. I, Maybe I can do not. That. Chiefs? 
I think if anybody, the one who could more remotely surprise would be the Broncos. So I have them second. Chargers, Raiders. You're on an island. I um, I knew the minute everybody was like agreeing, I'm like, I'm going to be the guy on the island. But I will say, I am in Jason's camp. I think somewhere week eight, maybe week nine, that's when we'll at minimum see the rumblings of Herbert. Um, Kansas City wins the division, obviously. They run away with this. I'm saying they win this division by at least three games. Uh, I will put the Chargers second because I've seen what I've seen what Tyrod Taylor can do firsthand. Um, then I will say Las Vegas third and Denver fourth. Get soon height. Grassy ass. Grassy ass indeed. All right, so we're going to the north now, right, Jason? Yes, we we are moving to the north, and the division I hate because they made me a liar last year. And we're going to kick it off with you, Harry. All right, so I'm going to surprise a lot of people with my preview of the team that I have here. I will openly admit that there is a personal investment in this franchise, specifically being the fact that my girlfriend is a fan of this team. That being said... I do think that there is room for potential growth because of the fact that they were hit so hard by the injury bug last season. I am talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. A healthy Ben Roethlisberger is a dangerous Ben Roethlisberger, especially if you're around a bathroom. Whoa. <laughs> and, is, and if you're a co-ed. That being said, I think Roethlisberger bounces back and has our, one of his better seasons in recent memory just because of the fact that he has something to prove in Pittsburgh here. And let's be honest, based on what we saw of Mason Rudolph last year, Mason Rudolph ain't the answer unless the question is who got his ass kicked by Miles Garrett. Hey now, lest we forget the wonders that were Duck Hodges in the 21st century. Uh, <laughs> bold prediction. Doug Hodges isn't even on the roster coming out of training camp. Fair. They signed Paxton Lynch. I, I, Lateral move, but I'd rather have Lynch, given the fact of Lynch's reputation. And Hodges did, like, next to nothing last season. Oh, great. Well, not just with that, and also as a side note, uh, Harry, you officially jinxed me. More on that later. Hmm. Okay, well, <laughs> I'll, let you, I'll let Eric describe his his beef with me later here, but let's go ahead and discuss, um, let's go ahead and continue discussing the Steelers here, shall we? Um, they need Juju to act like a wide receiver, number one. He was not one last year. But in fairness, he had a carousel at quarterback last year. If Smith-Schuster can establish a rapport with Ben, and if Ben can stay healthy, you're looking at one of the better quarterback-wide receiver combinations in the NFL this year. James Conner has broken out of the shadow of Le'Veon Bell and proven that he is a solid, top-level NFL running back. Benny Snell was more than competent in filling in for Connor when Connor had to take time off due to injury last year. 
you could argue that Jalen Samuel showed signs of brilliance as well coming out of NC State as, as well. Little, 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 little. Let's try that again. The biggest pickup to me is Eric Ebron at tight end. I think that while Vance McDonald was a serviceable tight end, Eric Ebron is an elite-level NFL tight end, and that is a position that Roethlisberger loves to utilize. In addition to that, in order to help the running game, this might be the best offensive line in football. Alejandro Villanueva, Stefan Wisnowski, Martise Pouncey, David DeCastro, and probably the weak link on the line, Matt Feller. Switching over to the defensive side of the ball here, they have the other Watts that plays defense, the one that isn't J.J., they have T.J. There's Cameron Haywood, there's Stephon Tuitt, Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick, who came over from Miami last year and played a huge role in the Steelers surviving what turmoil they did face last season because Fitzpatrick had a hell of a year. There are Pro Bowl caliber players all over this team. Will it be enough to compete? It's a tough division. I don't know. Will it be enough to compete for a wild card spot at the very least? For sure. Absolutely. And I'm going to go ahead and state on the record right now, Pittsburgh will be a wild card team this year. Randy. Yeah, and I, I think the the big reason why Pittsburgh's not going to be a contender for the division is because my team, the Baltimore Ravens, who obviously just went nuts last year. Lamar Jackson had a big breakout season. My fantasy team thanks him. Uh, and not a lot really changed for this team, which is perfect going into a season again with a messed up offseason. And I just think this team gets better. Now, do they have the same record as last year? No. I, I don't think they're going to be able to run the table as much. So they'll gain a, a loss here or there. Uh, but definitely with – it's going to be them or the Chiefs as far as the, the, the one seed and that one bye with the new playoff format. But, I mean, it's, it's Lamar Jackson getting J.K. Dobbins in the backfield to help Mark Ingram. Uh I, I think Hollywood Brown has a big breakout season. He showed glimpses of that last year. I, I think he becomes a big number one target, and that big playability goes perfect with Jackson. The, the defense has always been great for the Ravens. Add in Calais Campbell from Jacksonville. A couple young linebackers in the draft and Queen and Harrison. And I, I think the Ravens run away with this division, which is, as Harry said, much, much tougher than the West. I didn't realize how tiny Hollywood Brown was until they mentioned it. I He's mean, a guy. kudos to him for playing at 157 pounds. For the record, even on some of my best days, I'm clocking in about 175. So he, one main thing that he did, I saw he bulked up and is looking great, but still kept his focus on speed. So definitely watch out. All right, Eric, you go right ahead. Well, first of all, Harry, as if it wasn't enough that he had to force that Roethlisberger joke in there. And oh, <laughs> look, that's like being forces wow. himself on women. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because that's the joke. 
Thanks, Wad. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, and the fact that he jinxed me by saying, oh, yeah, you picked all eight picks in our little NBA pool, and then the Rockets just go ahead and win. Thank you very much. I'm dealing with not quite the mistake by the lake, but the other team in Ohio, the Cincinnati Bengals. Good news. You felt you had to get rid of Andy Dalton. He's now in Dallas. You got wait, Joe wait, Burrow. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, I have to. So obligated. Good news, everybody. <laughs> Good news, everyone. We've got a quarterback that we like now. Um, but offensively, yes. AJ Green hopefully coming back. You've got some good receivers. A nice pick as far as with T. Higgins. You just scratched off Joe Mixon four years, $48 million. That's a fantastic move. The problem is your offensive line, to be nice, it ain't the best. That's one concern. A second concern that I noticed in looking all the film, I am not the biggest fan of Joe Burrow's throwing motion. Ideally, and we see this from Patrick Mahomes and others, and you also see this in baseball, when you are throwing, you ideally want to, during your release, make a perfect 90-degree L-shape with your arm, or at the very least close to it. Not only does Joe Burrow look like that rotation is off, making his passes sail a little bit, and then sometimes low, the way he follows through puts his hand in a very awkward position. So you're dealing with a battle on two fronts. How many of those passes are going to be intercepted in this season? And what happens if anything goes wrong and in a key moment and Burrow messes up his wrist? Does anybody know Ryan Finley? You may want to brush up on that in case the worst-case scenario happens. Defensively, yes, you've added a lot of depth and went younger through free agency and a bit in the draft, but aside from Geno Atkins, you're looking at a little bit more mediocrity. Oh, if Bengals fans prepare for uh, a lot of growing pains this year, especially with the division the way it is. I would argue that they will be better than last season. I mean, hell, it would be hard to be worse. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt they're still stuck in the basement in the AFC North. Totally agreed. Jason, you take us to the mistake on the lake. Uh, and the team that I am a gluten for punishment for, the Cleveland Browns. Um, He's a glutton, too. Yeah, I'm fat. Um, Scott Steiner said so uh, but this team on paper should be a, this team on paper should be you know a contending team but when they step between those those white lines and take the field all that goes out the window uh, everybody thought uh, Baker Mayfield was going to come back and lead this team to dominancy. <laughs> I did. Um, after his rookie campaign, uh, they added OBJ, 
who beefed up that wide receiving core. But you know what happens when you have an extremely good receiving core and you can't throw the ball within six yards of them? They don't catch it. Uh, so what happened? They went out and they tried to add some some depth to this offense. They uh, signed Austin uh, Hooper away from uh, Atlanta to uh, the dismay of uh, Njoku, uh, who everybody thought was the second coming of uh, Kelvin Winslow in Cleveland, um, which beefed up their, their underneath game because Baker Mayfield can throw at least 10 yards and hit hit a receiver like Hooper. Um, they went, they re-signed a second-year tender for Kareem Hunt to give the uh, one-two punch with him and Nick Chubb in the backfield, which I think is an amazing one-two combination, uh, only to be outshadowed in that league in Baltimore because I think Baltimore has a better one-two combination with Ingram and Dobbins. But this one-two combination is going to be be great, I do believe. I think they're going to be a, a really nice 50-50 split. Similar running styles. Uh, Hunt's a little bit better receiver, where um, Chubb is a little bit more power, power back. And I just think that this team, I, I'm not getting my hopes up like I did last year. They made some uh, defensive accusations acquisitions that didn't and some accusations yeah yeah you know Roethlisberger was in town draft night um (laughs) uh, well he will be next year I think the 2021 is in Cleveland it is yeah yeah, um I might actually go up to it um but road trip continue they, they didn't really they didn't really make any like big splashes on defense. They just kind of maintained. Uh, Miles Garrett, his impact on Mason, I mean, defense uh, was <laughs> was something to, you know, marvel at, honestly. Uh, then, did, you, did you see the stat about, I'm sorry to interrupt, I really am, but did you see the stat about Mason Rudolph that made the rounds on Facebook and cracked me up? The contract extension he signed? He could pay that fine for the hit for the swing at Mason Rudolph four hundred and eighty three thousand more times with the contract he just signed. Yeah, I mean it's it was unreal. I think he's one of if if he could get his head head in the game, he is one of the best defenders in the league. He's very volatile though. Uh, we've seen that, uh, and I think that's going to be his downfall. Is teams can provoke him to get him. Um, out of his into his own head and out of the game, I think that's going to be the the problem. I think on paper Cleveland is probably one of the most talented teams. Execution wise, I think they suffer drastically, and the only thing that helps them from not being in the cellar is the Bengals in the division. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that the talent is there in Cleveland. It's just a case of putting it all together because it's something that they haven't been able to do ever since they came back into the league. They have two appearances in the postseason since the rebirth in Cleveland, Eric, I believe. Mm-hmm. 
And if I am not mistaken, since Buffalo snapped their drought in 2017, I do believe that Cleveland holds the NFL drought for longest time between postseason appearances now. Yes, they do. So the talent's been there in Cleveland. It's just the curse of the mistake on the lake. Getting that talent to function together is the question mark. Sean, is this the year that we see Cleveland take that next step? They certainly have uh, less excuses now because they have another wild card to shoot for. And Baker Mayfield has been a lot quieter this offseason, so uh, he better be uh, using that to get better on the field, even though, yes, uh, you know, COVID and all doesn't allow for a lot of that. But I think Austin Hooper is going to be a big key for them, having two tight end sets and being able to go out there and provide even better blocking for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, having both of them as well. Uh, this is a time for Odell Beckham to finally uh, – yeah, I know it's uh, part of it on Baker Mayfield, but he's got to show up and play better as well. And that defense, they uh, they will do well enough. Um, I still think, though, it's Baltimore, it's Baltimore, and it's Baltimore, very much like Kansas City. Uh, Lamar Jackson's got better throwing somehow. So if you're worried about, oh, well, how is he – he's not going to be able to run for 80 yards every game. Don't worry, he's just going to throw it down everybody's throat instead, and they're still going to do uh, amazing things. I, I, like Randy, I think it's almost impossible for them to do what they did last year. They're going to lose a little bit more, but they're still going to be uh, the class of this division, and I think watch out for the Steelers. Um, that defense is absolutely uh, amazing. They held them together with those horrible quarterbacks that they had last year, and they're only going to improve with that young core that they have. And just now, with if, if Big Ben can be back to regular Big Ben, and he has those weapons that he has in front of him, I think Juju is going to benefit a lot by having Big Ben there the whole season, hopefully. And he will be the uh, receiver that you want him to be. And I think definitely, if the Steelers don't make the wild card, at least that's something bad happened. Something bad happened. But um, I think Cleveland's going to improve, but I, f- I feel like they're going to miss out eventually. It's just. Uh, too many like the opp- teams that are at that level, they're gonna have to deal with. The opportunity is there for for Juju this year to be the receiver that they thought he could be when they let Antonio Brown walk. I still don't oh, yeah. think Juju. I still don't think Juju's a wide receiver one. Well, he has the opportunity to prove you wrong this year because he has enough weapons around him that the primary focus won't be solely on him. I think getting yeah. Ebron helps. I think a healthy James Conner helps. And I think a healthy Big Ben will definitely help. Sean, order a finish. Uh, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. That's probably going to be pretty – that's mine. I'll tell you pretty that Pretty right shock now. for everybody. Yeah, yeah this one – this one's not really a difficult division to forecast here just because the talent pools are specifically in Baltimore and Pittsburgh with Cleveland having the potential, just not necessarily having the know-how. Jason, uh, same four? No. I'm going to switch. I think it's going to be a tiebreaker between Cleveland and Pittsburgh with Cleveland having the one-game one tiebreaker over Pittsburgh. Randy, are you chalked to me, Eric and Sean? Yep, I agree with, with Sean, Harry, and Eric. That, I ginger, think that ginger Domus pride, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I I'm, think I think it's going to be a matter of... It, it's going to be a matter of 
this 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 schedule this this year, I think the North plays the NFC East. And I think that's what it's coming down to because I think the yeah the north uh, I know because I know Cincinnati plays pretty sure Cincinnati plays New York this year uh, because we was yeah because I was I was going to have tickets to the game until COVID happened so I'm pretty sure the the North and the NFC East play so that's that's two wins right there for everybody but I think the I yeah I mean we want to say. I may even want to say the Bengals beat up on Washington. But I think it's going to come down to you're going to have two of the top top teams, and God, am I saying this on air with him on here. Dallas is going to be the deciding factor. I think Dallas has the ability to surprise a team like Pittsburgh, but I think that they also have, the downfall to overlook a team like Cleveland and look past them to their next game and get caught in a trap game and lose to Cleveland and it actually be the deciding factor between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. I would be curious as to where those games land on the schedule as far as like home and away for Dallas and Cleveland and Pittsburgh, plus their locations chronologically in the season as well. I'll have to look into that. But unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do that yet because we are about to go to the AFC East. And in going to the AFC East, this is where me and Randy take center focus because both of our teams happen to reside in this division. <clears throat> Randy, you're called. You want to go first or second? I'll go ahead and go first because uh, your team has a better chance of making the playoffs this year than mine. So uh, I'll I'll get mine out of the way. Uh, obviously, the Jets made big moves with getting rid of Adams, trading him to Seattle, kind of looking towards the future with all of the amazing draft picks that they got out of that trade. I was hoping that was going to get counteracted by getting C.J. Mosley back, who missed all but the first game last season, but he decided to opt out. So we don't get him back, which is disappointing. So the defense obviously is going to take a a, a bit of a hit, losing Adams and not getting Mosley back. However, I do think that this offense is going to be a bit improved from last year. I know you look everywhere about the, the Jets' predictions. Everyone's predicting them to be last, maybe third against Miami. But... While I do have them, I mean, spoilers, I have them finishing third, but it's not because of them. It's because of the other two teams in this division. I do think this offense improves. While their wide receivers still are not sexy, I mean, when your top two wide receivers are Perryman and Chris Hogan, I mean, no one's going to run out and say that it's a fantastic group <laughs> by any means. Hey, I mean, you have Jamison Crowder. I guess he's up there, too. Excuse me. You so got Crowder and Nims. Perryman. Uh, that's if he can stay healthy. I mean, the dude can't even get through a couple practices. So I, I'm not, well, I think Mims is a great talent. It, it's when you can't even get through the first couple practices without being hurt. I, I'm not going to, to rely on you just yet. I mean, he'll be a great fit, hopefully down the line, but we'll see. Herndon, I think is going to be a, 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 a big target at tight end. He's been hurt off and on. So we'll see if he stays healthy. Obviously, the running back situation is, is becoming of a joke. As you see everywhere that Le'Veon Bell is now getting second-team reps and Frank Gore is becoming the number one. Uh, you have P. Ryan that they just 
drafted in the fourth round. He's going to see some stuff. I don't know. But the wide receiver core is definitely improved from last year, even with the loss of Robbie Anderson. I think it's a better core. Last year it was basically Anderson and Crowder and absolutely no one else. Now you have some some other targets for Darnold to go to. Darnold looked just fine last year after his, his high school disease that he suffered for the first few weeks of the year. However, the Jets' schedule is also much harder than last year. So I'm I'm not going to go homer and say that they have a chance to make the playoffs or anything. I'm looking at six and ten, seven and nine at best. Uh, but I do think that they will not finish last in this division. I believe that brings us over to me and the Buffalo Bills. And spoiler, your 2020 AFC East champion, Buffalo Bills. I see you shaking your head at me, Jason. That's fine. I mean, in fairness, you said Cleveland would win the North last year, so. Well, well, why are we talking about the past? I mean, if you want to bring up the ginger dominance from the past, everybody laughed when I said Alabama would not be in the college football playoff. Everybody mocked me and laughed, but did it come true? I have no recollection of this conversation. Back to the uh, Buffalo Bill. Well, I'm can, about I to say, yes, you were right. But, I mean, if we're talking about professional predictions, do we not just spend time saying that, oh, you have teams that would have three or three teams make the playoffs and the Cleveland Browns would win the division? How did some of those turn out? They turned out I, – I was, I was consistent. Being wrong about everything is still consistency. <laughs> negative consistency hey it's just it's one way to look at it here all right so here's here's the main reason things are so optimistic in buffalo dawson knox is in the second year as the starting tight end excellent rookie season for the kid last year more continuity with josh allen now that he's getting first team reps this year as well instead of having to split them we have a wide receiver number one in Buffalo now and a legitimate wide receiver number one in Buffalo in Stephon Diggs. And based on all of the videos that have come out from training camp and stuff, him and Allen are gelling amazingly. There is potential here to be maybe the best quarterback wide receiver combo in the AFC East this year. And I know that that's really not saying a whole lot with New England's quarterback situation now. We'll talk about that here in a few moments. It's not really saying a whole lot with Miami's situation because Tua Tagovailoa is not sure what he's doing yet. And while I I will give Darno credit for having a much better campaign last year than I thought he would have, I don't think there's a wide receiver number one in New York right now. And Randy will agree with that. Yes, I would. There are There is a legitimate wide receiver number one, and you could argue that there are two wide receiver number twos, second-tier line wide receivers in Buffalo right now as well, and John Brown, the former Arizona Cardinal, and Cole Beasley, the former Dallas Cowboy, who, by the way, Sean, I never had the opportunity to thank you for Cole Beasley, but I think he did a fine enough job thanking you guys himself on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Silence. 
the offensive line is going to be the primary concern for Buffalo, specifically the center, Mitch Morse, former Kansas City Chief, one of the best centers in football, horrendously plagued with injuries throughout the course of the last couple of seasons, has not played a full 16-game season in, I think, four years. Concussions are a major bugaboo for him and could be a definite problem with an offensive line that is admittedly young. Defensively, I don't think I need to talk about the Buffalo Bills defense. Top three in the NFL the last three seasons. Consistently among the best against the run. Granted, Ben, but don't break defense. It happens. However, when it comes down to to our defense allowing offenses inside of the red zone, we don't allow touchdowns. I saw a stat, Eric, and I don't know if you can confirm this. That the Bills have had the top red zone defense in the NFL two of the last three seasons. And the year that they weren't the top, they were like third. I would have to confirm that but that does sound about right because teams usually have had a hard time from inside the 20 there were some losses suffered on defense this year I won't lie but the biggest addition to Buffalo this year for defense isn't an addition it's an I'm deciding to play because the star of the Bills defense Tredavious White was contemplating sitting out the season due to COVID, however, decided to play this year after all. I'm really looking forward to the possibilities in Buffalo this year. I know it's hard to be an optimistic Bills fan because if history has taught us anything about this franchise, nobody circles the wagons. (laughs) But there is strong reason for optimism in Buffalo. And I would argue that I would rather have an advancing Josh Allen as my quarterback than a declining Cam Newton in New England. I I mean, with just based upon the talent level and the weapons surrounding him, I would agree because I have my own specific thoughts about what's going on in Foxborough, but Buffalo is pretty set up well. Now, those the, the statistics that you mentioned, yardage-wise, yes. Touchdown scoring, not so much. Okay, so we're... We are allowing we are allowing more scores than I thought we were. Then so scoring, de- yeah, because wasn't Buffalo like sixth in scoring defense last year? Mm-hmm. And then I think they were second in the league in yards per game. Yes. Behind so, San Francisco. Yeah, you. So you can get you give up quite a few uh, yards. Well, not so many yards, but if you give up those chunk plays, you're more prone to giving up. Yeah, because I think Buffalo allowed like 21 a game last year or something like that. We just need a little bit more offensive consistency, and I think that Stephon Diggs is the key to that. I think finally having a wide receiver one to take the pressure off the backfield. I believe that Devin Singletary came out into his own as a rookie last year, and I 
who was it that gave me the Singletary? Was it Robert that was singing his praises last year? I hate to give the guy credit, but I think it was. I was a big Singletary fan. A former Jacksonville Jaguar now in our backfield as well in TJ Yeldon. I'll miss Frank. I'll miss Frank Gore, the ageless wonder. But I do appreciate him probably putting Le'Veon Bell out of a job in New York. It does make me smile. I, I, I was still hoping that the Jazz would pick up Fournette, too, so we could have three <laughs> terrible running backs. But whatever. Yeah, because the Jaguars only go to Super Bowl contenders, so... Oh, poor Randy. That's a fair point. That's I can't even argue it's a fair <laughs> point. All right, so I mentioned in New England, so we might as well do New England next. Yes, let's talk about Brother Belichick and the and worship at the the altar of the Patriots. Oh, my brother, Deflate Gate. All right, sorry, I'm good. Continue now. Now, now, I'm just curious. This this is a this is a bonus question. Does anybody know why I, I really why I wanted the Patriots? To piss me off? No, we're going to test football knowledge here. What connection do I have to Bill Belichick? Well, he was an assistant coach under Parcells in New York. He comes from the Parcells coaching tree. So, yes, I'll be more than happy to cover the Patriots and their key acquisition of one Cam Newton, former NFL MVP. Uh, the departure of Brady, yes, does hurt, but does it really? Does it really hurt them? You have an aging Stonehenge quarterback uh, that, just like he replaced in Drew Bledsoe, not very mobile or anything. You replace him with somebody that, if healthy, uh, is mobile and can actually switch up that um, that offense and move the ball and give a new ripple to that, to Belichick learning to, well, it's really Josh McDaniels offense, the, the Josh McDaniels system that was instilled for so long in New England and built around. I think that this, this is, is going to be fun. Uh, Harry alluded to his prediction of the the division winning bills. No, it's going to stay in Foxborough. It's going to be a very tight race, but the Pats are going to stay dominating the East. Um, I think that this offense will look completely different than anything we've seen under Belichick. Mm-hmm. With the addition of Cam Newton, uh, getting a versatile, I think uh, their running backs can stay healthy. You never know what you're defending, which is a key thing that Belichick loves to do. And fantasy football experts and players love to hate because you never know what running back the Belichick's going to trot out there because he's got three or four. And, you know, the joke goes – you know, the next superstar that Belichick has is a tight end that's uh, 
bench pressing cattle in the middle of Iowa that nobody's ever heard of. And I think that you're going to see that um, emergence. I think you're going to see some players that either somebody teams have written off or that, you know, some obscure player step up and be a superstar in New England. I think that they win the division with Buffalo a close second. And then does it even matter after that? Well, it matters to Randy, damn it. I think, honestly, I think the Jets are going to be a lot better than what people give them credit for. I think um, I think Frank Gore is going to will, uh, go out there in his rascal and <laughs> um, run over a couple of people. Uh but or you know uses Walker as an extra blocker in the backfield. Who knows? I mean, it's possible. Um, I think uh, Donald is a more capable quarterback. I think that receiving core doesn't leap off doesn't leap off of the the paper as being superstars. But I think they're all serviceable receivers. I don't think that you're going to have a superstar receiver there. But I think you've got a great core of contributing receivers. That is, which is just as deadly as having one superstar out there because they have such a array of possession and um, middle of the tier, uh, middle of the row tier wide receivers that they can dink and dunk down the field and produce. And then as long as you get inside the five, you know. the ageless wonder can punch it in from the five. You do still have Le'Veon Bell there that, you know, him and Gore could be a formidable duo of just being brutalizing to defensive line and just wearing them out like Brandon Jacobs did for the Giants. So I think, I think it's going to go, uh, I think, yeah, I think it's going to go that way. And, uh, I guess we're going to go up and listen to the fins next. Real quick before we do so, um, buy or sell, Jason. I'm buying whatever you're selling, Harry, just because I love you. The 2020 New York Jets wide receiving crew is the 2019 Bills wide receiving crew. No, I'm going to go out and say the the Jets receiving crew this year is uh, similar to – and I know they was the bottom uh, statistically they wasn't that bad uh, team wise they was horrendous, but I'm going to put it out there to be like the Bengals were last year with the emergence of Boyd and uh, Ross and Boyd in Cincinnati. Well, the reason I say that is you mentioned the lack of superstar, and that's kind of how it was in Buffalo. It was two guys. The two guys carrying the load in Buffalo last year were two guys that were written off by other franchises with Brown and Beasley. I don't think they were so much written off. I think they were just casualties of of the team having the team not having the faith in them and having better, more talented people to fill the roles that they they were presented in. So they went, and I think that Brown and Beasley actually fit better as a duo with uh, Josh Allen than any quarterback in the league. I don't think that any other quarterback could have got the, the production out of those two receivers that Josh Allen gets. 
I would argue that that's true for Beasley. I think John Brown would be a wide receiver too, pretty much anywhere in the league, in my opinion. He wouldn't be a wide receiver too in Seattle. The hell he wouldn't. You think he's better than Locker? I think he's better than Metcalf at this stage of Metcalf's career, yes. He wouldn't be a wide receiver too in Cleveland. Okay, but in fairness, that's Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. You Tampa said Bay, you you said he wouldn't most, be a, he wouldn't be a he wouldn't be a wide receiver too in Tampa Bay. Again, Mike Evans and or, Goodwin. Or he wouldn't be a wide receiver too in Atlanta. Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Come on. You said he would be did did he not say he would be a wide receiver? to anywhere else in the league. Yeah, I've sit here and named teams that he would not be a wide receiver to in. He would not be a wide receiver to in Arizona. D- apparently not. Not well not definitely not now. But apparently not then either. <laughs> All right, Eric, you got Miami. Well, the good news is the plan so far has worked after a strong finish to last season. You sprinkle in a little bit of talent here and there. Bolstering up the defense by getting Kyle Van Noy for New England was a very solid move. But the big question is still going to be, when do we see Maui Wowie Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback? I, I, I looked at the film, and I looked specifically at him walking into the facility one day. There was a whole big discussion whether he was just walking with swag or whether he was limping. Hate to break it to you, Dolphins fans. That was a limp. And the way he even had his arm where he was favoring that side. So you're going to still have to rely on Fitzmagic through pretty much the entirety of the season. That said, you're not really in a bad position. I think with Tua getting this year under Fitzpatrick, you're going to make some improvements on last year. It's going to be closer to how you did the second half than the first half. But then at the same time, don't go expecting miracles right, right away. You're probably still two years away, but the plan is going to continue to work. I want to state it on the record. Go ahead. Timestamp me here. All right, 12.32 a.m., 3rd of September, 1 hour, 10 minutes, 47 seconds into the podcast. Tua Tagovailoa never start the game in the NFL. You know, that's not that bold of a take. Not uh, that bold of a take. I, 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 I think, think that's predicted data. I think I said that. I think I mentioned some about that during our draft specials that I wasn't sold on him being an NFL quarterback. And based on what we're seeing coming out of training camp with him not having the same mobility that he had pre-injury, with him not having anywhere near the same dexterity that he had pre-injury, Mm-mm. I don't see it. Miami is going to have to rely on Ryan Fitzpatrick for the foreseeable future. And while I think Fitzpatrick is a competent quarterback, again – continuing the history of Buffalo and competent quarterbacks. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not somebody that's going to win you a division. Ryan Fitzpatrick might not be somebody that's going to get you out of the basement this year. 
So are they so really going to be looking towards someone like the Rosen one? Uh, I would argue that... Honestly, I think he's the best quarterback on the team. He just isn't getting a fair shot. And wasn't he just drafted last year? Two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah, he came in the same same year as uh, Darnold. And Allen. Yeah. He came in with that quarterback class. Rosen went to Arizona originally, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay. That's why. That's what threw me there. Because he went to Arizona originally. They drafted Murray. He went to Miami. That's right. Right. Okay. I just, I mean, Rosen's a better option than Tagovailoa is at this point. If you're looking to build to a future quarterback there. I really can't argue that either. I mean, that whole situation in Arizona was just chaos. He really didn't get a fair shot. And it's kind of sad because he's not getting as fair of a shot in Miami. But if they really said, like, in a pinch, because let's look at Taco Vilo and that injury. You're absolutely right. You're not getting the same guy. You're not even getting a 100% fully healed, confident guy. I'd say give Rosen a few more of those reps. That way you have someone ready-made, someone who knows the system, that you can turn to just in case. Jason, I know you were about to say something here, but I want to just chime in real quick because he mentioned you're not getting a 100% Tagovailoa there. I would argue that you can make the same case for Tagovailoa as you could for somebody like an Alex Smith of seeing ghosts. Playing scared, as it were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. Now, granted, think, he, he won't get it picked up on a hot mic like Darnold did, but yes. I think he gets hit one time. I mean, literally chilled one time. And you start seeing happy feet. Sean, your thoughts on the AFC East? God, I love that we're predicting somebody's like demise here that hasn't even gotten to play a game yet. Good Lord. That's some pretty dark stuff. I'm going to disagree completely with all of you guys here. You guys are forgetting that there was this same aura around somebody called Jalen Smith and he's sitting here, that nerve fired and all of a sudden he's running around like crazy. So I don't think we should just all of a sudden go, Oh, Tagovailoa looks bad right now when he hasn't had time with COVID and everything else to really get with the team and do all that stuff. Who knows what he's going to look like midseason? Who knows? Fitzmagic usually has a bad second year after he has some glorious first year of whatever team he's on. So let's stop acting like all of a sudden the Dolphins are going to do some great stuff. You don't know what's going to happen with Miami. He, they might have to I, put him in because that's what they got. I, I don't know. know maybe he shines. Get, maybe he does a, a lot a better. Get a discount that. on a rascal to ride around Miami where he's going to retire. Uh, we're sitting here just thinking that the same thing's going to happen because you've seen it before. You have no idea. You have no idea what his toughness is once he gets in the actual game. He may not be a practice guy. He may be a, I get going once the actual game gets practice? on when it matters. We're so, talking about practice? You know, no, uh, I think, why, uh, go ahead, sorry. The, the reason why I think that is because this injury took out one of the most premier athletes of my generation. This same exact injury ended his career, and he was a physical specimen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, medical science has came a long way, 
but you still have it doesn't matter how far medical science has came the the body still has that and it's still a psychological thing you could talk to bo jackson today and ask him if mentally is he the same person before that injury which is the same injury that akuna matata had and he will tell you that changed him physically and mentally that he still is not mentally capable of dealing with that injury okay well let me get through this really quick because uh yeah so uh, i think the bills are definitely going to be first um i mean they would have to i think josh allen is not he would have to regress which i don't think is going to happen with Diggs there He's already making that entire wide receiver core better and making them competitive, making them compete against each other. And uh, I think you're going to see all of those players get even better somehow. And that defense is just going to keep doing what they do, which is be fantastic. So um, it's going to be very difficult, I think, for any of the teams to beat the Bills. I think the Patriots, depending on what kind of cam you get, right? Like Cam has probably had his best coaching staff he's ever had in his entire life sitting there with – Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and knowing what he knows now that he can't move around as like he used to, but I think he's still mobile enough that it gives you a different dynamic than they've had uh, with maybe, you know, Tom Brady didn't get to move around enough, but he moved around enough to make things work. I think that's the same similar thing with Cam. He's going to move around enough to make things work. And I think the problem with him is, and he's with Carolina, it's not like he had these godly receivers before. So we've seen him make a lot of things work with less, uh, like he did in Carolina. So I think New England might surprise people, and I think they'll be fighting for a wild card and and being keeping it close with Buffalo. Uh, I think Miami is going to do all right. The Jets are going to do all right. I think it's it's uh, Buffalo, New England, Miami, and the Jets. All right, I'm going to say for the record that I don't think the Bills run away with this division. At no point did I say that the Bills were going to run away with this division. It's going to be a dogfight between us and New England because I do not count out Bill Belichick. I've, if history has taught me anything, it's never count out a team led by Bill Belichick. Oh, yeah, so, definitely. But it, losing two of your best players on defense hurts a lot. But Bill Belichick's done miracles, so who knows? We now find out if it's a system situation in New England or not. Because Cam Newton is a completely different quarterback than Tom Brady was. Yeah. If Cam Newton works in the Belichick system, then we know that it was the Belichick system. Rather, Brady stands on his own in Tampa Bay or not this year, we'll find out. I stand by my statement. I don't think they win double-digit games. I'm going to officially predict that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers finish 9-7. and But... When it comes to the AFC East this year, I think that the road to the AFC, the road through the AFC East goes through Buffalo this year. And I am genuinely optimistic for the first time in a long time as a Bills fan that we can win this division. New England finishes second. It's going to be a toss up. I'm not going to deny that. The Jets finish third. I don't know where Sean's getting Miami in third at. Miami finishes fourth. Or, yeah. Jason? New England, Buffalo, Jets, Miami. Randy? 
Yeah, I take uh, Buffalo, New England. Uh, one thing I forgot to say about the Jets is their entire offensive line has changed. That's one thing I didn't say in my preview. So who knows what's going to happen there? Uh, but I'll take Jets third, Dolphins fourth. I believe Eric has stepped away from his computer for a few seconds. No, I just moved around to a different position on my couch. Ah, well, your your prediction, good sir. Buffalo by a little bit more of a comfortable margin because even with Cam Newton and everything and even with the Patriots, there's only so much that he can do with a garbage can of vacuum cleaner and a deck chair at wide receiver. Still good enough for second, though, mainly because the Jets are the Jets and Miami's still Miami. But I am giving Miami a small benefit of the doubt in saying third because, well, Adam Gase. Sorry, Randy. I've got your Jets in the basement. It's okay. You can be wrong. Well, look. Who was louder and who made more noise? That doesn't help matters. Miami is crap, but they're quiet about being crap. They don't have people calling out entire organizations, rightfully so, but there's a side effect to that. Uh, when you're in New York, you got to fight for that, that that back page. So that's what the Jets do. They, they got to be relevant in some way. Or, I mean, you could win, and then we wouldn't have to put up with Jason <laughs> Shiant. That's much. too hard. It is way, it's, it's so much easier just to create controversy than, than Look, to win football games. if the Jaguars could stumble upon some winning seasons, damn it, so can you. Lest we forget the butt fumble got you to a couple AFC championship games. Exactly. We got, we've been to two AFC championship games. I just realized the key to the Jets' success. Resign Mark Sanchez. Well, I mean, look at what happened with Philadelphia and Dallas and a couple other teams that he was on. <laughs> All right, we close up shop in the AFC preview with the AFC South, and there's no other place to start here. Eric, the floor is yours. Okay. Well, let's see here. Our highly drafted running back, Leonard Fournette, was released, and he went out to Tampa Bay. Calais Campbell was already gone. And we've continued a trend of key players going on to contenders, lest we forget Yannick Ngakwe who wanted out so bad, he took about a $4 million pay cut and will be paying state tax just to sit and see if Kirk Cousins can win a game after 1 p.m. Eastern. So, there's that. Oh, oh, lest we forget that along our defensive line, we've had not one, not two, but six players either retire or opt out along with other departures. Uh, yeah. Um, I sense a whole lot of nothing. And Trevor Lawrence and Dabo Sweeney, Jacksonville isn't terrible. Our front office sucks, but you're already used to the weather. And again, no state tax? Uh, uh. 
No, I'm not going that far because I don't want to openly encourage them to go ahead and live in misery. But Florida man does need a little bit more company. Just so saying. you're officially you're officially dubbing the 2020 season hashtag tank for Trevor. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's flashes, but between the sword of Damocles hanging above everybody's heads in the front office and general manager and head coach and pretty much everywhere. I mean, maybe since Fulham is back in the Premier League, our owner will be distracted enough so we won't have as much pressure and won't suck as openly and be as much of a laughing stock anymore. So you'll be swallowers instead of spitters. Got it. Yeah, we we don't quit in our suckness. We'll tell you that much. That's legit. All right, who's going next, Eric? Uh, to kind of bail me out of this situation, J- J- Jason, help bring a little bit more optimism and uh, end my misery somewhat. Um, I don't know how much I'm going to help, but it is going to go upward uh, because I do have the Texans who sent arguably the best wide one of the best wide receivers in the game uh to arizona thanks and bill o'brien we owe you one for, for less for less than the jets got for jamal adams and and who who had a great um a a great repertoire with sean watson and they they basically neuter Watson and send Nook to Arizona for I think two bags of Doritos and a ham sandwich. I, I, I I'm pretty sure that that's what it, what ended up being. Hey hey, do not go knocking Cool Ranch and spicy chili Doritos. Okay, those are good. Hashtag uh, Team Nacho Cheese. But I mean, and defensively, I mean. Arguably, wherever, however J.J. Watt plays, if he's healthy, this Texas defense plays beyond their means. If he, if the injury bug bites him yet again, you're going to see a really poor performance. Actually, and I really think it's the weakest division we've talked about across the board. Uh, I don't really see a lot of a lot of positives coming out of Houston. I mean, David Johnson uh, is a Texan now, so I think that that gives Watson a, a little bit of help because uh, David Johnson is an upgrade over Lamar Miller, uh, both running and catching the ball. But that that depends on which David Johnson you get. Well, I'm, I'm I think that I think. That the the wrist injury, I think he was rushed back way too early from that wrist injury, and I think he played played timid. But I think he's got uh, time to heal. I think you would see the David Johnson that was a um, was a force for um, for the the Cardinals. So I really think that this is a is a really weak division as a whole. So. 
I'm going to go ahead and tag Randy, and hopefully we can we can trend upward a little bit. Well, I, I we'll see about that because I have Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. So it depends on how how you feel about Mr. Tannehill being outside of Miami. It worked pretty well for him last year as the Titans and, well, obviously Derrick Henry uh, really surprised a few teams in the playoffs, got to the AFC Championship game. However, I like him again this year. I don't know what it is. I made fun. I have one of my best friends as a Dolphins fan. We have made fun of him for Tannehill for years. And then all of a sudden he gets out of Miami and he's a decent quarterback. Not good, but decent enough. And when you have a good running back like Derrick Henry, that's that's all you really need. As far as the offense goes, nothing really changes. For the Titans, they do lose Coughlin, which is a big hit on the offensive line, and that could hurt them down the line. But, I mean, for a team that really brings back most of their team, it's just about how Tannehill plays and I have to say I'm a believer and the fact that they get three home games early on in the season back to back to back in October I think that's going to help them out as well there's another team we got to talk about that I think is going to be a contender for the division but I I think the Titans might be the front runner unless Harry you can convince me otherwise with the Colts I'm at the quarterback position, I don't think there's any question that Indianapolis has the best one in the division now. And that's saying something. Oh, they, they, they have the, the quarterback with the most kids, I guess. But. I mean, think, he has his own. Hold on, he hold has, on. You would take Phillip Rivers over Deshaun Watson? Absolutely. Deshaun Watson's inconsistent. And Deshaun Watson doesn't have the weaponry that Phillip Rivers does. You're glad we don't drug test here at the W2M Network. I'm glad yeah, you Eric don't. Would get fired. Get, Eric would get fired. I'm about to say, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> let me explain why. Well, let me explain why I would take Philip Rivers over Deshaun Watson, because Philip Rivers has a young running back who is on the upswing in his career, who's coming off of his best season in Marlon Mack. He's let me finish. According to ESPN, he is. Taylor's going to be the starter in Indianapolis. ESPN has Marlon Mack listed as the starter. And even if it's a one-two punch with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor was arguably the greatest college football running back in the history of college football, given his statistical output. Rather or not that translates to the NFL, we'll have to see. But we've said many times on this show before that Taylor's a game-changer. He's been our stud on more than one occasion throughout his career in college. So he's somebody that, when combined with Mac, there still gives Rivers a solid one-two punch in the backfield. He has, in my opinion, now that DeAndre Hopkins is in Atlanta or is in Arizona, he has the best wide receiver in this division, in T.Y. Hilton. He has an underrated tight end in Jack Doyle, and a and a good secondary tight end in Trey Burton. The issue is going to be the offensive line for Indianapolis, and I feel like I've said that about pretty much every team that I've covered, that offensive line is going to be concerned. But I think that in this year, with the fact that we've had less opportunities to see these teams play and less opportunities to see these teams practice, it's a lot of unknown offensively on the line for a lot of teams. 
I see the I see the wheel spinning, Jason. So I'm curious as to where your head, your brain's going with this. You're muted. I'm watching a funny video on YouTube because I really don't fuck about Indianapolis. Because, like I said, this is the weakest division we're going to be covering. So I'm going to be like the rest of the the fans in in the NFL and tune out when we whenever the AFC South is on. I will say this much. I will agree with you that J.J. Watt is the best player in this division altogether. However, if J.J. Watt is one, you can make the argument that Darius Leonard is 1B. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I think we talked about this when we did our greatest of all teams. I think that uh, Leonard's going to go down to be possibly the one of the greatest uh, Colts defensive player ever. But I just don't see um, – I, I think Rivers is an upgrade, but Rivers is also – about as old as I am. I will admit that Rivers is on the decline of his career, but I would take an aging Philip Rivers over Jacoby Brissett any day of the week. Oh, yeah, but but I still wouldn't take him over Watson. I mean, if you're, uh, sitting, there, if you're sitting there saying, okay, one, okay take, let me say this. this for one season, for one season, because let's be honest, this Rivers in Indianapolis thing is not going to be a long-term solution. Rivers is here for one, maybe two years. He's a transition, yeah. For one season, I would take I would take having Philip Robert Philip Rivers this year over having Deshaun Watson. Randy's disagreeing with me. Randy's more than welcome to state his case. I'm also going to ah, disagree okay, right. with you, but Randy's going to go first. It's just I just can't see it. I mean, I think Watson's easily one of the top ten quarterbacks out there, maybe top five. I don't think Rivers, especially now, is anywhere in the top half. What does Watson have around him in Houston right now, now that they've gotten rid of Hopkins? David Johnson is coming off of an injury and disappointment in Arizona. Well, who's the number one wide receiver in Houston, Jason? Uh, right now, I think it would be Fuller. Will Fuller, who's also yeah. coming off of an injury. Uh, hold on, I'll, I can give you a Brand, Brandon uh, Cooks, Randall Cooks, Cobb. Um, Kiki. I think okay. Kiki opted out. I think. Okay, yeah, hold, Kiki's not. Hold on. I, Kiki's I not can playing. explain both of those. Brandon Cooks, I will admit, could be a solid wide receiver for Deshaun Watson. He's Kenny not going to. Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills has been inconsistent at best over the last three seasons. Uh, you got. Cooks and Fuller are your two starters, and then you got Kenny Stills and Kiki um, as your three and four. Well, like we just mentioned, Kiki Couture opted out. Kiki Couture. It, it's it's not saying that he did, according to. I can't remember. I heard somewhere it might have been somebody else, but um, I might have him mixed with somebody else. All right, so real talk: Who would you rather have as your number one wide receiver, Brandon Cooks or T.Y. Hilton? We're not talking about the thing. We're talking about quarterbacks here. We are though in the grand scheme of things, because your your receivers are going to make for a better quarterback. And in terms of this particular season here, the opportunity is there for River, for Rivers and Hilton to put up big numbers in this division. But Hilton's declining as well. I won't disagree with that, but I'd say Cooks. But I would too. I would take I would take I would take Cooks. I would take Cooks and Watsons over Rivers and Hilton. I would say stat for stat, Rivers and Hilton have a better year. And I'd be willing to put money on it. 
I am going to disagree with you because even though, yes, Hilton would just be slightly a better receiver, looking at the entire body of work, I've seen Phillip Rivers in the last couple of years in San Diego. If he were still serviceable, they wouldn't have even gone with Tyrod Taylor while drafting Justin Herbert. He would still be there right now. I think I think the situation with Rivers in San Diego with Rivers in management, nothing to do with his performance. No, I think that that was a major significant part because it wasn't just with the Chargers losing games. It would it was oh the Chargers are going to lose games because of all these flukish ways, but you still got Philip Rivers. Now it's oh the Chargers are losing all of these games that aren't so flukish, and Rivers is starting to throw some clutch interceptions. And I've heard a lot more mock cursing than I would like coming out of Colts practice. All right, well, I stand by my statement. I I think Rivers and Hilton have this year. Jason's dog making a guest appearance on the podcast. Yeah, Jinx came in here to 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 make her debut on the podcast. She came in here to get loves. I we'll see what happens throughout the course of the season. I stand by my statement. If I'm wrong, I will admit that I'm wrong, but I'm calling it right now. At the end of the year, Rivers will have more passing yards than Watson will, and Hilton will have more receivers than Cooks will. And Houston will have more wins in Indianapolis. Disagree with that as well. Spoiler alert, Colts win the division. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and my my division winner is gonna be a really, really odd one. Alright, somebody tag Sean because it's time to make our or it's time for him to give his thoughts. He's not important. Yeah, I think this will be another one of those years where we may have four different division winners. I, I don't think so. I think uh, I think agree. Well, you already know because you already you picked uh, Baltimore to repeat in this in this in this in the East or the North. Excuse me. No, when I'm yeah. saying that, I mean remember what was it last year when we all picked a different team to win the South? Oh yeah. Well, none of us are picking Jacksonville this year, Eric. I can promise you that. Well, I'm well aware for a lot of obvious reasons, but damn it, we're going to come close. So we'll have probably three instead of four. <clears throat> you back with us, Sean? Yes. Your overall thoughts on the AFC South. And I want you to chime in on this discussion since you missed it here. Better overall statistics for the season. Rivers and Hilton in Indianapolis, Watson and Cooks in Houston. Rivers and... Hilton. You guys are insane. Yeah. Me and Randy don't agree agree very often, but no. yeah, we, we are strongly, strongly united on this one. Stand by what I said. I said what I said. Uh, the reason I feel good. like it's going to be the Colts is because uh, Philip Rivers probably has one of the best offensive lines he's ever had in his career. And he can finally go out there and do his thing and not have to worry about getting his life threatened every time he steps back. I mean, his receiver core was probably a tad better in uh, Los Angeles 
in those last years there. He's got T.Y. Hilton and a bunch of young guys, but he can make it work. And I think uh, Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor are going to be a terrific tandem for the Colts. And that defense got better with Buckner. I mean, so, and it was already uh, pretty good with Darius Leonard and the, the bunch there uh, already. So, yeah, I think uh, Texans, while they are going to cover Hopkins well with Cooks, um, you know, Will Fuller never stays healthy for like an entire year, and exactly. that's a problem. Right. And I mean, even though Randall Cobb was, he proved he still had it with the Cowboys last year. I think, you know, I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to be fine. It's just, you know, you never know what JJ Watt, uh, that defense, I think, is a question mark when you uh, get to the defensive Sorry. backfield. If they can't get to the quarterback, there's going to be a lot of problems with Houston. Uh, with with teams passing on them, uh, you know Tennessee. It's going to be really tough for them to duplicate what they did last year. I mean, lest we forget, Ryan Tannehill had like less than a hundred yards, I think, in yep. two of those playoff games. And both I mean, of and the they somehow played. won. I mean, it's like, eh, like I just, I mean, he's going to do fine. I just don't think that we're going to see this like miracle season that he had last year, and it was going to be very hard for Derrick Henry to do the same. I think Tennessee's going to come back down to earth a little bit. And I don't know. I just think things are there for Philip Rivers to have one more magical run. Navy doesn't really amount to a whole lot when you get to the playoffs, as usual with him. But I think as the season goes, I feel like it's Colts. Oh, man. Houston and Tennessee is hard to pick. Uh,. I'm going to get the slide edge to Houston because I trust Deshaun Watson a lot more. And David Johnson, if he can come back and be the old David Johnson, we'll see that line. I don't think I don't believe in that line too much. Uh, but then, yeah, Tennessee and, and Jacksonville last. Randy, order of finish in the AFC South. I'm actually going to take Ryan Tannehill and those Tennessee Titans to win the division. I'll take Houston second, Indy third, and uh, I think we all know Jacksonville last. Jason. Hell's froze over. I have agreed with Randy. I, Jason, I think we agree about football. Everything else we don't agree about. But yeah. football, we think we think alike. We, we, other, we, other than which New York team to root for. Well. <laughs> just that you root for a New York team. Hey, we, yeah. still agree, we still agree that a New York team is our favorite team. Yes. Eric, projected order of finish. Well, although I don't root for New York teams, I do have to agree with both Harry and, or both Jason and Randy. Tennessee one, Houston two, Indy third, and we'll be lucky if we can win about four games. At least I know I have comfort that at least one of my teams is going to be very, very successful and can beat a New York team, Randy. Can sweep a New York team. (laughs) You know, we happened to do that ourselves just a few days later. Yeah, except we had the we were on track to almost do it twice, but then again, we kind of piss off one of their pitchers, so there's that. All right, Sean, get your get your take. I'll finish. 
he already did. And that's why we don't matter. All right, so. I have my prediction left, and actually mine lines up perfectly with Sean's. Well, Indianapolis. That's why, why you don't matter. Indianapolis, Houston, Tennessee, Jacksonville. Right. You, I, I just, no. It, that's, it, what it, makes, that's what makes these preview episodes of the show fun. Exactly. I mean, let, that, let's, let's just. Fun. And we all get to be wrong when, you know. No, and then, well, we're, we're not all going to be wrong because Tennessee is going to do what they do, go 9-7 and seven again and win the division, and that will be that. Done. You know, the sad thing is, is 9-7 and seven probably does win this division. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I said, I think it's the weakest division we've covered. Uh, I would agree, if only because there's no standout team like a Kansas City in the West. I'd say top to bottom, the West is worse. I, I don't. Yeah. Because Kansas City takes brings that division up above mediocre. I don't know. I feel like all three... All three of the teams in the South are better than the other three teams in the West. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, Kansas City yeah. is by far the class of the eight teams, but then I would argue it's Houston, Tennessee, Indianapolis above the other three teams in the AFC West. I think Denver is probably in a bit of a better position than people would give them credit for, but overall, I, yeah, I'd say if we're going... I think like, if you knew a lot more about Drew Locke than you do right now, it would, I think, it would be that... I think the Raiders and Chargers are going to be a lot better than people are giving them credit for. I, I, wouldn't, just, I, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's potential for significance. That's why I say if you were looking at those second place teams, you could make an argument. But if you're looking at like third place teams or let's face it, cellar dwellers. Yeah, the South is significantly right, worse. Question. I, I would say that the AFC only has like that. You don't really have like a lot of, Oh, these are obvious. I mean, there's like two that we talked about, but like a lot of these other teams are not like, Oh, this is obvious cellar dweller, you know? So like the AFC could really just, you could have a lot of middling five, six wins. Seven yeah, wins there's, each, you know, there's a lot of parody in the mid card in the AFC. Like there, there's probably a, there's probably a half dozen teams or so that could finish around that seven to nine win mark. Agreed. And given the fact with the expanded postseason this year and seven teams getting in, nine wins is probably going to be enough. Oh, oh yeah, per- per- personally, nine wins is going to get somebody in. Nine in hell, I wouldn't be surprised if you see someone with eight hanging right in there and, and making everybody break out their calculators. You know what I think is going to be the primary difference maker this year when it comes to playoff seating? It's going to come down to how you fare against the NFC when it comes to an AFC team. The the cross-conference games are going to make a huge difference about who you draw, when you draw them, and what kind of momentum you have when you have those games. Because I think in a lot of these divisions, the teams, are, the bottom teams are going to beat each other up. Houston, Indianapolis, and Tennessee are going to beat each other up. Denver... Or not Denver. Um, yeah, uh, Denver, Denver Raiders, La- Chargers, Denver, Las Vegas, and Denver, Las Vegas, and Los Angeles are going to beat each other up. Buffalo and New England are going to beat each other up for the AFC East title. 
the AFC the AFC North is a two team race and might even be three if Cleveland can get their shit together. Eh, they're still Cleveland. <laughs> I'm just saying the possibility is there for all of these teams to take it out on each other, and then you could end up having a situation where it doesn't matter what you do in the regular season. A seven could beat a two. A six could beat a three. It's entirely possible. Nah, that's true. Yeah. I mean. You are not going to see levels of craziness like this since 1982. The strike shortened? The first strike shortened season. Because the 87 strike, remember, a week's games were canceled that year too. Sean, where can people find you online? Well, I was going to say, do you really want these bottom teams to win? Because if you have... Uh, you know, the seventh-ranked team win or something like that. That's going to give a lot of credence for the NFL to eventually put in the eight-team playoff system uh, for each each conference uh, where you had the 16 teams. So who knows? But, uh, yeah, you can – I wouldn't be – just real quick, you mentioned the 16 teams. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to the NFL going 16 teams across both conferences. Same. Like, I understand the whole tradition of the AFC versus the NFC, but you're much more likely to avoid dog games where it's a wild card team versus a wild card team if you were to just go one versus, say, one versus 16, 215, almost an NCAA tournament bracket. Oh, I don't think they'll go there. All right, go ahead and get your plugs in, Sean. But, uh, yeah, you know. Go check out that W10Net.com where all of our podcasts are available. Uh, you can check me out most every week on Video Games to the Master where I talk about video games. And, of course, uh, things are getting very close to hot and heavy with the two consoles coming out pretty soon. Well, at least you think so, unless COVID delays it. <clears throat> but, um, yeah. And you can uh, uh, check me out on the, the last word on on life and last word on uh, pro football, which is also where the kickoff is at as well. Last word on pro football. Uh, another place you can find us at last word radio. And yeah, you know, just keep listening to these guys. They're awesome. Thanks for joining us for the preview, Sean. We appreciate it. No problem. Randy, where can people find you online? You can find me at Randy Isbell on Twitter and also at chapter underscore select. For my video game podcast with Jens Dietrich, uh, we are working through the game Judgment right now. Part two will be out next week. Uh, Randy, it's a good thing we did that mic check before the show. You sound way better tonight. It's definitely a case of the computer using the wrong audio before. Yeah, it would be. It was nice for Skype to not tell me that it wasn't using the microphone I had plugged in this whole time. Eric, where can people find you online? Uh, at Squid Sportshead on Twitter, yeah, with my nocturnal nature coming out more and more, you may see me live-tweeting the first half of some Australian Rules football games since they're doing their second frenzy of the season. Aside from that, you can also find me on Facebook if you want to talk about other not-entirely-sports-related things, especially since I've been stirring up some few things here and there. Look me up under Eric Watkins. You know what to do. Me, guy, recliner, wine, laundry, etc. And uh, ideally, in theory, 
soccer to the max still exists, but again, a whole bunch of other scheduling issues, but those should be rectified in the near future, so stay tuned on that. And if you happen to be on Twitter and are looking for something special in your life, slide into my DMs, go to undergo the strict vetting process, you'll gain access to my dark Twitter, my Telegram, my Snapchat, etc. As always, this plug brought to you by the fine folks at Rick's TNT LLC. Affiliated with Dun & Bradstreet, website coming soon. Commercial coming soon as well, still working on that. We have talent lined up for it. We just have to get it together and make it happen. Jason, where can people find you online? Uh, at W2M Chairman on Twitter. Uh, I'll be uploading, you know, any polls, any anything that, you know, anybody that does follow us uh, wants to shoot us a message on there and bring up a topic that they want covered on the show, be more than happy to do so. I'll bring it to the table and we can discuss it. Uh, typically, uh, I post all our polls and stuff that if you do listen to, uh, the poll usually goes up uh, within the day after the show drops. So uh, we didn't have a poll this time, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that you know we can get together and we'll come up and we'll post uh, get a feedback from everybody else. You know, all all two listeners we have. And see what their feedback on the standings and who 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 they think has or some bold predictions that you know you guys want to want to pose to uh, be mentioned on the show. I have a poll for you to post, Jason. I'm not getting on that. I'm, I don't swing that way, Eric. Well, that's unfortunate because you're going to listen to my offer anyway. And I'm going to turn it down for the 2020 season. And we can do this on either a actual football perspective or from a fantasy perspective. Which combination would you rather have? Philip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton? Okay, or Deshaun that, Watson and Brandon Cooks? We can put that up on a poll. I'll, do it. Uh, I'll, have, a, I'll have the poll go up tomorrow. And I'll actually run this one for longer than 24 hours. I mean, we're not going to be back on the air again until next Wednesday night when we do our uh, playoff predictions and post and postseason award predictions and but our this, and our week one predictions yeah our our very first are you serious is of the season randy's very first is are you serious is of his kickoff career i'm ready i am at atb the eagle on twitter facebook instagram pretty much any major social media site that's where you can find me except snapchat snapchat i don't use that Yet. um Nope, not worth it. Don't you try any of your voodoo on me, Watkins. I'm just saying, I mean, we've had our conversations. I think it would be beneficial in your sense, especially for certain things, you know, little extra on top of the extra extra. In addition, you can find me on Facebook at Harry Broadhurst. Uh, I want to talk sports, wrestling, any of the above other topics there. By all means, feel free to shoot me a message. I'm more than happy to talk with our listeners. Hell, it'd be nice to know that people actually listen to the show. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's where you can find me online there. And I do believe that officially wraps up the 2020 AFC preview episode of the kickoff. We join you again next week when we predict all seven teams from both sides of the postseason. We can do Super Bowl predictions as well. We don't have to run through the full postseason because I feel like that would get monotonous. 
but we can do like um, Super Bowl predictions as well. And then we'll predict year-end awards as well. MVP, Comeback Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, that kind of stuff. Me and Eric will get together and put together a list for next week's episode for the award predictions. So for the special guest co-host tonight, Sean Garmer, Randy Isbell, Jason Teasley, and Eric Watkins, I'm Harry Broadhurst. You have been listening to The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network online at W2Mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast listening services, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Eric, guess what? Spotify is here. And fuck cancer, cancer, Wakanda forever. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. You have been listening to The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network.